I'm going to invite you to take a seat and grab your Bibles or your Bible apps and turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 is our text today. If uh, you don't have a Bible with you, that's fine. Grab one of the Bibles in the seats around you. Turn to page 1016 and you will find the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Uh, and as always, if you're here and you don't have a Bible and you want to read the Bible, then please take one of those with you. It's our gift to you. I mean, you can call it a Christmas present if you want, but actually they're available 52 weeks a year. So uh, we just want you to have the Word of God and read the Word of God because we know if you do that, God will change your life. Uh, God will change your life. Hey, we are talking about Christmas Surprise. That's the name of our series for this month. And uh, is anyone surprised that today we are looking at the story of Mary? Anyone? I mean, Christmas is a week away. I mean, Christmas Eve is next Sunday. I guess I should apologize that we messed up your service schedule, uh, right? I mean, because we got five services, but they're all just different times, starting at 11, but you know. Uh, but uh, you know, when we're talking about Jesus' mother a week from Christmas, it really shouldn't be a shock, should it? On the other hand, uh, what should surprise us is the actual Christmas story. See, we all think we know the Christmas story because we've heard it, to you know, been told so many times. We've watched, you know, specials. We've, you know, we're familiar with it or at least a version of it. But the truth is we, we sometimes miss the biblical account and we kind of add stuff to it based on what we've heard and experienced. I know this because for years I gave out this test. Uh, it was called a Christmas IQ test and you know, it was like 25 questions and it was meant to kind of trick people, but I started off giving it to teenagers because I was a youth pastor, and they all failed it miserably. And it was great to actually go through what the Bible teaches. And then I got older, and I started, you know, giving it to my, my friends, and they all failed it miserably. And I thought, I wonder how leaders in the church would do. They all failed it miserably as well. Uh, because we think we know, but we really just kind of fill in a lot of stuff that is tradition, and it isn't the story. So today, uh, I want to read the story, or at least part of it, and, and hopefully you'll be surprised by what we find. So Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The story begins with a surprise visit. 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to Mary, to greet her, to tell her the good news, to tell her that, that she was chosen. And, and so Gabriel shows up and talks to Mary. This is not a dream. This is not a vision that she had. She saw an angel. And, and see, this story is so familiar to us, we're not even freaked out by that. That's just like, yeah, of course, there were angels. They showed up. They talked to Mary. They talked to Joseph. It's no big deal. It's a Christmas story. Don't you know it? An angel. I don't know about you. I have never had a, like flesh and blood angel show up to me and appear to me and that I knew it was an angel. You know, I might have, you know, encountered some angels along the way, but if I did, I didn't know they were angels at the time. If I did, I would have freaked out. I'm pretty sure you would freak out too. Angel appears to you. Ah, there it is. And and, and Mary freaks out too, but, you know, because uh, we notice what Gabriel said to her. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Uh, it's probably a good thing to say to someone who is terrified. And, and by the way, do not be afraid is a recurring theme whenever God shows up. In fact, if you read the Christmas accounts, uh, Matthew chapter 1 and 2, uh, Luke chapters 1 and 2, you're going to find that just about every time uh, an angel showed up, that was one of the first things they said. Do not be afraid. And, and here's the thing. This is one of those messages of Christmas I want you to hear. God does not want you to be afraid. God is saying to us, in the same way he said to Mary, don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't be afraid of God. Don't be afraid of the circumstances you find yourself in. Don't be afraid of the world and its craziness. Don't be afraid for your finances. Don't be afraid for your food, shelter, clothing. Don't be afraid for your health. Don't be afraid for your children. Do not be afraid. You see, God doesn't want us to live in fear. He doesn't want us to make decisions out of fear. He doesn't want us to act out of fear. You see, what he wants is he wants us to be people of faith and hope and joy and courage. And those don't really exist well with fear. Now, we all feel fear. Fear is part of life, so we're going to feel afraid. The question is, are you controlled by your fear? Because God is saying to you today, do not be afraid. So Gabriel tells Mary not to be afraid, and he tells her why. Don't be afraid, because you have found favor with God. You've found favor with God. Of course, she's going to be the mother of Messiah. She's Mary. She's found favor with God. We look at that and go, well, yeah, of course she's found favor with God. Can I just tell you something? You have found favor with God. You've found favor with God. God loves you. He sent Jesus into this world to die for you, to pay for your sins, so that you could be part of his family forever. I, I want you to know that you have found favor with God. Now, you may not feel very favored right now. I mean, you may be going through some stuff. You may be having some trials, some difficulties. It may be your health. It may be your family. It may be your job. You may not feel favored, but I'm just telling you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ... If you believe that Jesus is the one and only Son of God and Savior of the world, and you believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sins and was raised from the dead, and you have made a commitment to follow Jesus with your life, then you are favored. You are blessed. You are forgiven. You have life that nothing in this world can take away. So don't be afraid because you have found favor with God. 
So Mary gets a surprise visit, and then we hear about her surprise assignment. Verses 31 through 33. Gabriel says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. So Mary, you are going to be the mother of Messiah. Surprise. Now, I'm pretty sure that every Jewish girl's dream was to be the mother of Messiah. But it's not what you think. It is. You see, in, in Mary's time, in Mary's culture, uh, the, the Romans ruled Israel. They had conquered it as a nation, and they had subjected its people. They were living under the oppression of an invading country. And their idea of a Messiah was somebody who would come in and lead a military revolt, who would be a general, who would be a warrior, who would become a king, and, and lead them back to a geopolitical state of freedom for the nation. That was what they wanted as a Messiah. We want our Messiah to be somebody who sets us free from the Romans. But Mary is told, um, your assignment is to birth and raise the Son of God. Do you think that would be a little bit intimidating? Do you, do you think there'd be a little bit of that, who, me? Kind of thing, you want me to, you want me to raise your son? And, and, and by the way, at this point, Mary has no idea how the story ends. She doesn't understand the, the pain that's going to be involved. She doesn't understand the heartbreak that's going to be involved, the challenges that are going to be involved, any of that. God just says, I want you to be the mother of Messiah, the son of the Most High. You're going to raise him. That's her assignment. And by the way, God has an assignment for you too. God has a task for you. I mean, it's not Mary's task. I mean, you know, she was picked to be the mother of Messiah. You don't get that job, all right? But God has an, a, an assignment for you, a task for you that makes a difference in his kingdom. We know this because Scripture tells us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, For you, you, are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. So get this, God has created you and made you wonderful. You're his artwork, his workmanship. And God has gifted you and called you and, and assigned you a task that has your name on it. And he said, hey, I want you to make a difference in this world in my name. And uh, you may be sitting here going, I don't have any idea what my task is. Well, that's why we offer a class called Equip, because we want to help you figure out what your assignment is before God. But... If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's some things that are common for, for all of us that are assignments that are ours. You know, like we're supposed to be salt and light. We're supposed to reflect the glory of Jesus to the people around us and, and live in a way that, that lets people know that God is real and he's changed our lives. If you're married, you know, one of your assignments is to love your spouse like crazy. Yeah, it really is. That's one of the key assignments God's given you. If you're a parent, one of your assignments is to, to raise your children so that they understand who God is and that they want to love him and serve him with their lives. Uh, and they're going to know that because they see that in you. See, see those are some of those uh, common assignments that we have. But see, here's the thing. I don't know the specifics of your task. But if you ask God, I think he'll tell you. 
And, and here's the other side of it. We know how the story ends. We know how the story, well, if you've read the book, you know how the story ends, okay? We win. We win. Heaven is our home. There's nothing that can stop that. You know, you belong to God, and, and he's going to take you there, and we rule and reign with him forever. That's that throne to kingdom that's never going to end kind of story. We know how it ends. So the story begins with a surprise visit and a shocking assignment, and then it's followed with a surprising miracle. A surprising miracle. Verses 34 and following. And Mary says to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Don't you love Mary asked that one great question, how can I be the mother of the Messiah when I'm a virgin? I mean, I know how the game works and I haven't been playing. Uh, And God answers with a miracle. The virgin birth. This is why we call Jesus the Son of God. This is why we refer to Jesus as the one and only. If you grew up on the King James, it was the only begotten. There's there's no one else like Jesus. Never has been, never will be. He's fully God and he's fully human. That's why we worship Jesus. And, And then Gabriel tells Mary something that will help her grasp the miracle, but also gives us hope. Verse 37, do you catch this the first time around? He says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible with God. I I, I mean, I pray those words encourage you and give you hope and give you strength because when God assigns a task, when God's at work, nothing is impossible. Now, notice uh, I said when God assigns a task. Because I've run into some people who kind of take this phrase and kind of pull it out of context and try to tack it on to their dreams and plans and ideas and then get upset when they fail. Because God does not guarantee that the stuff you want, you get. But when God is involved, when the plan belongs to God, nothing is impossible. God can impregnate a virgin. God can clothe, uh, you know, himself in human flesh. God can pay for our sins through the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. And God can redeem our brokenness and failure completely. Because nothing is impossible with God. And, And you know what that means at the very core? That means that God can change your life. God can change your life. He has the power to redeem you no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what your situation is. Uh, Look, God can set you free from addiction. If you're fighting that battle and losing that battle or you're stuck in that battle, then God can set you free from addiction. He may do it miraculously, instantaneously. He may do it through a program. By the way, we have uh, Celebrate Recovery. Monday nights, 6.30, McCulloch Campus. And if you're stuck, that's a great place to go. There's people who understand because they're celebrating their freedom from addiction. And and they believe that it's possible because God has done it in their lives. Guess what? God has the power to restore your family. Your family's broken. There's been pain. There's been heartache. There's been brokenness. Guess what? God has the power to redeem your family. God has the power, believe it or not, to help you love your spouse. 
See, there's some of you who think, can't do it. I'm just toughing it out. I'm sticking it out, uh, you know, but, you know, after the holidays are over, we're done. Um, or maybe you're just thinking, I'm just going to endure until the kids grow up. I don't know. But God actually has the power, the ability to teach you how to love your spouse, not just endure the relationship. God has the power to help you forgive. I mean, you've been hurt, you've been wronged, you've been broken, you've been, you've been scarred, and some of you are hanging on to bitterness and anger and rage and the desire for revenge, and it's deep down in your soul, and it's poisoning your life. And you think, there's no way I can ever forgive, and God wants to pry your, your hands of hatred loose, and, and so you can let go of it, and he can heal your heart. He has the power to do that. God, with him, all things are possible. Uh, you know, last week I, I mentioned that Christmas is a time that, that people who are unchurched are most open to coming to church. And I really hope that this week you'll invite some of your unchurched friends to come with you next week. Uh, but here's what happens. Uh, a lot of people say they believe that God can do anything, that all things are possible with God. Uh, but they don't actually live it out. And the place it's seen the most is our interaction with our friends and inviting them to experience the grace of God. And, and, and I'm just saying that because I, I've seen it happen in dying churches where people will say, with God, nothing is impossible, but they'll never invite their friends. And, and they're like, they're, they're too far. No, they're not too far. In fact, this room probably right now is filled with people who are the last people on earth you would ever expect to see in church. Right? Yeah. See, I'd ask you to show your hands, but you guys are like, oh, that's a long time ago, and I'm not that guy anymore. Uh, but the reality is that that's true. And if you know that God has changed you and that, that he took you from brokenness to a place of life, then you believe he can do it with anybody. And you will invite your friends and you will invite your neighbors and your coworkers and, and those people who are far from God because you know that God shows up and works miracles. And you may not see it where, from where you are in your life. You may be struggling to go, I don't really see how we can redeem my life. But guess what? We can see it. We can see it because we've seen God do it over and over and over again in changing people's lives and doing the impossible. So nothing is impossible with God, even crazy miracles. And then finally, we see a surprising submission. Verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me as you have said. Now, get this. Mary is a girl of probably 14 to 16 years old. 14 to 16 years old. And she responds with this incredible faith. I mean, that alone ought to impress you. But first of all, she declares her identity. Did you catch that? I am a servant of the Lord. Before she even says, yes, I'll do it, she declares who she is. I am a servant of the Lord the Lord. Mary knows who she believes in and who she belongs to. Mary knows who she believes in and who she belongs to. Uh, do you know that? You see, a lot of people claim belief, but they don't understand belonging. I, I, I obviously kind of try to talk to people about God. It's one of my favorite subjects. Uh, and, and when I'm talking to people, a lot of times people kind of throw up that wall and they do it this way. I believe. I believe in God. It's all good. You, you know, kind of, let's stop talking about this. I believe in God. I, I don't need to talk anymore. 
And the truth is, a lot of people believe, but they don't belong. They don't understand that their identity is in Christ. Their identity is, is with God. That, and Mary got that because she said, I'm a servant of the Lord. My life is not my own. It belongs to you. That, that's why here at Calvary, we, we don't just talk about believing in God. We talk about experiencing a life-changing relationship with Jesus because that's about belonging. You see, when you confess Jesus as Lord, what happens is you give up the rights to your life. You say, Jesus, I now belong to you. I yield to you. It's your values I want to live. It's your tasks I want to do. It's, it's for you I want to live. I am your servant. We yield the control to Jesus. He's the Lord. He's the king. He's the master. He's the boss of me. So most of you here believe in Jesus. Do you know that you belong to Jesus? I, I don't want you to leave without knowing for certain that you've experienced that life-changing relationship with the Son of God. Is your identity clearly as a servant of the Lord? Mary's was. And then we see Mary's acceptance. Let it be to me according to your word. She said, yes. Let it be to me. As, as you've said, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm good with it. I, I, I will accept it. And, and notice what she doesn't do. She doesn't demand answers and details. Right? I mean, she did ask the one question about how can this be since I'm a virgin, but she doesn't say, okay, so what's Joseph going to say? What's my family going to say? How's this going to play out? Is the wedding going to go on? She doesn't ask that. She, she doesn't, you know, just kind of say, okay, so um, I will do this if. She doesn't ask for outcomes. She doesn't say, okay, God, I'll do this if Joseph is happy with it. I'll do this if I'm not publicly shamed. I'll do this if, uh, if it's going to work out this way. She didn't negotiate. She didn't protest. She didn't say, why me? She just said yes. May it be to me as you have said. Uh, she trusts God with his plan for her life. Did you catch that? She trusts God with his plan for her life. What do we usually do? We usually go to God with our plans and ask him to bless them. But she just says, I'll take your plan. That is an amazing act of submission. And, and this is where the Christmas story is a direct challenge to our faith. It just challenges how we live, how we believe. Because, you know, it's so easy to, to make it all warm and fuzzy, right? Put up our beautiful nativity and get around the tree and have soft lights and sing, you know, Silent Night. And we all feel warm and fuzzy because it's the Christmas story. But no, the real story is a challenge to how we're living because it's asking the question, are you trusting God like Mary? Am I trusting God like this child did that God chose and God used? So are you, are, you, are you trusting God? Now, see, a lot of times we want to protest. We, we, you know, and we just kind of want to argue and, and defend ourselves against the, the accusation of the story against Scripture because we say stuff like this. You know, if I had an angel, right? If I had an angel that showed up 
and told me what God wanted me to do, well, then I'd be faithful like Mary. Really? You think so? Because the last time I checked, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God the Holy Spirit lives in you. He lives in you. He doesn't just visit you and tell you some stuff and then leaves again. No, he actually resides in your life. The moment you confess Jesus, the Holy Spirit moved in. He wrote the name Jesus on you, property of, and said, hey, you're ours now. You belong to us. We're going to take care of you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And not only that, but God wrote you a letter. I mean, it's a long one, but he wrote you a letter. And in that, he's amazingly clear about what he expects of us in how we live and what we believe. It's incredible. So, you know, he's, he's been really clear. Like, he's, he kind of told us, it's real obvious, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How you doing with that? Oh, and you got to love your neighbor as yourself. We always want to say, you don't know my neighbors, God. He's like, yeah, I do, and they have to put up with you. Uh, so, and I'm telling them the same thing. You see, he's, he's challenged us. He's told us how we're to live, and, and we're like going, well, if an angel showed up, you don't need an angel. He's been crystal clear. And with all of that, are you joyfully submitting to God? You see, the Christmas story is full of surprises. And God wants to surprise you. When he does, what are you going to say? Are you going to say yes? Are you going to say, I am the Lord's servant? May it be to me as you have said. Let's pray.